Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. Fathers and future fathers, today I'm going to speak to, to you. And, um, and I, I, I know that this message is going to be a cultural seed. It's going to go down deep. And I pray that it brings a harvest. So if you're a man in, in the house today, just like I spoke to, uh, to the woman of the house and we, we celebrated Mother's Day, spoke about Mary today, I'm going to speak about Jesus and his father. I'm going to speak about Jesus and Joseph, and I'm speaking to you, the fathers, the future fathers. And if you're a, a woman in this house that is searching for a good man, this is the kind of man that you're, you should be searching for. And if you're married, this is the kind of man you should be praying for. You know, God can, uh, can change any man. And uh, there wasn't a lot of faith on that one. God can change any man. <laughs> your pestering might not change him, but your prayer can change him. Pray that man into existence. And today my goal is to speak to the masculinity and the manhood of the men of God's house today. And speak to who you are and who you're called to be as godly men, fathers in the house. So let's take a look at Jesus and his father. I'm going to read one verse to you as we begin in Psalm chapter 68, verse 5. The Bible says this about our God. Father of the fatherless and protector of widows is God in his holy habitation. Well, what's holy habitation? In his home. So this is speaking about the nature of God. And who is he? He is a father to the fatherless. Some of you need that today. And he is a protector of widows. He is a protector of those in need. That is who God is in his house. And so today I want to look at this specific aspect of who God is, that he is a protector of the innocent. He is a protector of the innocent, and men, you are called to embody this godly quality in your life, to your wife, and to your family, that you would be a protector of the innocent. Fathers, you are called to be like God and take on this attribute. You're a protector. Turn to the father next to you and say, you're a protector. Some people are looking around, are you a father? <laughs> Turn to the man next to you, say you're a protector. Make it easy. <laughs> Today my hope is to examine the relationship that Jesus had with his natural father, Joseph, on earth, to discern the roles and responsibility of godly fatherhood, fathers that are called to be protectors. Let's pray together. God, right now we ask you to come and speak to us, God. God, we thank you that you have something to say and you have a family to build. And I pray even as I speak, Holy Spirit, will you come and speak? Lord, will you apply this message with grace? God, will you bring um, fullness, the fullness of this message and speak it to the heart of every individual? God, I thank you that you have brought us here today to be heard by you, and to hear you. So right now, we open our hearts. We open our minds. Most importantly, we open our spirits to the word of God. We're ready to receive what you have to say. In Jesus' name, come on, all God's people said. Amen. 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 Fathers are absolutely essential 
to a functioning society. They are the core building block. They are the cornerstone. They are the primary component to a functional society. The only problem is right now, we are entering into the great age of a fatherless society. And what happens is the inevitable. A fatherless society eventually becomes a functionless society. And many people can't figure out what's the core issue, but this is it. That if you remove the father, or if the father removes himself, you begin to lose stability. You begin to lose strength. You begin to lose a presence that is irreplaceable because see the role of the father is irreplaceable by any other thing on earth it is unique and it is divine and so when we move into the era of a fatherless society we find ourselves in a functionless society this is where crime becomes rampant this is where corruption explodes this is where morality degenerates this is where confusion reigns. This is where chaos takes control. Why? Because the strong men are missing. They've backed down. They've self-censored, silenced who they are. And the whole world has a full court press against the men. Push them in a corner, to push them down, to be silent, to be nothing, to be no one, to be mocked, to be littled. And I'm here today to push back. I'm here today to tell you who you are, men. Now, some of you might be thinking, well, I'm a woman. Let me tell you, this is the most important sermon your man is ever going to hear. So you say amen to everything. You elbow. Get that elbow working. Get it loose. <laughs> Give him the side eye if you have to. There is something that God has ordained. It's a role that only men can play, that no one else can replace. It doesn't matter how much money you throw at it. It doesn't matter how many uh, uh, institutions you create. It doesn't matter how many social workers you put on the streets. You need fathers to have a functional society. It's irreplaceable. Paul knew this, and he even said to the church, he says, look, you have many teachers, but few fathers. Have you ever noticed that everyone will tell you what to do? Everyone will write a book. Everyone will start an Instagram account. Everyone will tell you where to go, where to shop, what to buy. They'll tell you, you got teachers. We call them influencers now, but that's all they are. We got talkers. But see, a father won't tell you what to do. He'll show you what to do. A father won't, won't uh, just talk at you. A father will raise you and walk beside you. And Paul's saying even to the church, you've got plenty of people who will talk, but you have very few people who will walk. Many teachers, but you need fathers in the house of the Lord. Men that will walk through these difficult moments with you. It is irreplaceable. Maybe you're here and you say, well, I've never had a father. Maybe he was absent. Maybe you lost your father. And in that, Jesus can even understand what you're going through. Because we find that at the very beginning of Jesus' ministry, Joseph isn't there. Most likely, Jesus lost Joseph at a, at a young age, certainly before the age of 30. So he knows what it is, even to have the loss of an earthly father. Maybe you, you, you don't feel that way. Maybe you had a great father. Maybe it's even difficult for you to step into his shoes. And for that, that's a rare miracle. 
And it shouldn't be. It should be commonplace, but it's rare. And I would challenge you, go thank your dad and buy him the best stinking steak you can buy. <laughs> Don't buy the for sale steak. Buy the good stuff. <laughs> thank your dad for the miracle that he is as he walked beside you. But if you're here and you say, well, I didn't have that and I didn't experience that, I feel like God gave that moment earlier in worship for you, and God will step into those shoes, and God is more than enough for that role. The reality is we cannot change the past, cannot change your upbringing, but we can prepare for the future. And I am here to prophetically speak into the future of every father and to-be father here, who they are, who God made them to be, who they're called to be. Because see, God is a good, good father. And he's looking to produce good fathers. You were made in the image and, 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 and likeness of God. God is, God is wanting to put who he is as a father into the men of this house that you might go and model who he is to your children. That they might get a glimpse. Yes, it's a shadow, but they might get a glimpse of who God is through your action. Men, you're called to be fathers like God was a father to you. And we see Jesus has a relationship both with his heavenly father and his earthly father. And I think I know why God chose Joseph. It's because Joseph personified this personality of God that is most important to us. He was a protector. In fact, even when we first meet Joseph, you know that Joseph doesn't say one word in the whole Bible? All we see are his actions. And, and we're, right when we meet Joseph, he finds out that Mary is pregnant. And it's not by him. And he decided in his heart, the Bible says, to break off the engagement so as to not put her to shame. Well, already you're seeing his character. And what is that? He's looking to protect her. Isn't this powerful? Like, I think this is a key as to why God chose this man. He's not looking to shame. He's not looking to expose. He's not looking to mock. He's not looking for the drama. He's not looking to be right. He says, I don't understand any of this but I'm going to make sure I cover you even through all of this. And then when the angel comes and tells what's actually going on, Joseph steps into his new role as a coverer as he walks forward. But I think that's why God chose Joseph for Jesus, because he was a protector. Starts off protecting Mary's reputation, but he goes to protecting the most important person who's ever lived. Can you imagine that sort of a job? What a security gig. You have to... You have to protect the most, you want to talk about baby Yoda. You have to protect the most important thing planet Earth has ever seen. And this, not Joseph's the Mandalorian. Now, Joseph is given this mission to be a protector. And you know, right at the beginning of his life, the Bible comes, the Bible says that an angel comes to Joseph in the middle of the night in a dream and says this, rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt. It's time to get out of here. Go there and remain there until I tell you, for Herod, who's a political puppet, a, 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 um, he's a, uh, a king under the strings of the Roman Empire, Herod is about to search for the child. Why? To destroy him. To destroy him. It is the primary responsibility of the father to protect the innocents that God has entrusted to him. Rise and take your child far from here. Why? Because there's a spirit, there's a Herod 
that is rising up, that is seeking to destroy him. It didn't just say kill him, it said destroy him. It was trying to destroy Jesus and all that would come from Jesus, the calling, the outpouring, the grace, the mercy. That's what the enemy wants to cut off. That's why, that's why he is your adversary. He not only hates your life, he hates all that will come from your life. And so the enemy at a young age, before Jesus is even able to protect himself, he's coming after the innocence of the child. And the reality is that the goal of the enemy is the destruction of the innocence of your child. That's the goal of the enemy. His goal is the destruction of your children. He wants to seek and destroy your children's morality. He wants to seek and destroy your children's innocence. Seek and destroy your children physically, emotionally, spiritually. And you think, well, he wouldn't come after them when they're two. Oh, he certainly would. That's always when Herod, Pharaoh, comes after them. You ever notice it's the government? That's always when they come after them to steal and destroy their innocence. But you have to be a divine protector. Fathers, fathers, you have to be a divine protector. You need to be smarter, sharper. You need to be involved. You need to cover. And you need to protect your children. You have to protect their spirit. You have to protect who they are. I, I even feel led to, to say this. Just because someone else is in a position of authority doesn't make them right. You are their father. You know, just because they're a doctor and they prescribe the light meth or we'll call it uh, uh, Ritalin doesn't make them right. You are the father. You have to be very careful with what your children are ingesting. Now, see, now I'm getting controversial. You, get ready. This is just the beginning. Just buckle up. Look, I'm glad we got doctors, but your dad. And you need to make sure you are heavily involved. You need to meet their teacher, and you need to look them right in the eye. <laughs> Uncomfortable long handshake. Your dad, protect their spirit, protect who they are, protect their joy, hey, even protect it from yourself, you know, because sometimes dad wants to say like, stop yelling when they're playing. All right, all right, I'm not, I'll just preach to myself. So Jordan, you know, and <laughs> what are you doing? Do you have bowling balls up there? What's happening up there? You have to protect them. You have to protect them and not, not, and I don't even mean this physically, I mean this um, verbally, beat the joy, the love, the imagination out of them. God has given you the, the divine responsibility, hear me, to protect them from destruction. Because you can be alive and be destroyed. To protect their heart, to protect their love, to protect their joy, God has given you this job. And no one else, hear me, no one else, just this week, the White House released a statement speaking about children in our nation, and they said this phrase, they are all our children. No, they are my children. They are your children. They are not the government's children. You are the parent. 
with the divine responsibility from God. You are the one that God has entrusted them to, not Herod, not Pharaoh, not anybody else. You, you, and you alone. Amen? And you don't ever have to be ashamed of that or wishy-washy on that. God gave them to you. If God wanted to give them to the government, he would have had them be made in a lab. In Wuhan, apparently. But no. <laughs> that just came to me. God gave them to you. You were there at the conception, I hope. You were there at the delivery. You were there at the maturity. I was there when my child took their first step. I was there when they said their first word. I was there when they took their first fall. I was there. I was there. We have sacrificed to raise our children. The government has done nothing to deserve the right and honor to raise their children. It is you. And you will stand before God and you will have to answer in judgment one day on how you raise those God entrusted to you. You will stand before the throne and behind you will be your children and your grandchildren, your legacy. And God will look to you fathers on how you raise your children. The president will not stand there next to you. The governor will not be there. The city councilor, the school board, the doctor, they will not stand there. You will stand there and you will answer. And I pray you hear the phrase, well done my good and faithful servant. You were faithful with the little. Now I give you much. I pray that fathers begin to rise up and take their rightful place in who they are as defenders, as guardians, as watchmen in the lives, uh, lives of their children. For the presence of a godly father is God's greatest defense against any deadly enemy. Whatever the enemy wants to throw at your children, and he will. He will throw temptations, he will throw substances, he will throw relationships, he will throw difficulties, obstacles. He will throw pain at them. He will throw all of life at them. But hear me, a godly father is the antidote to every poisonous dart from the enemy. It is God's great defense for the protection of the children. It's who you're called to be. It's who you are and who you're called to be. So the men in this place might be saying, okay, I, I agree, but how do I do it practically? How do I defend my house? Because you're called to defend the home. You're called, men, to defend the home. You know this instinctually. You hear a slightly odd creak, odder than the usually slightly odd creaks, and you're up and out of bed, and you're in attack mode. I hope, but if you say, honey, check that sound out, you... You need to get to remnant, you need to get to the altar, you need to start a fast. We need to have a couple conversations. <laughs> You're called to defend your home, and how do you do that? Well, number one, number one, listen to the voice of God. Listen to the voice of God. What does Joseph do? He's, he's there, but in the middle of the night, an angel of the Lord appeared, the Bible says, to Joseph in what? In a dream. Well, what does angel mean? It simply means messenger. God will send you men messengers to speak to you about the direction that you're, that you're called to take. He'll also send you warnings. Hear me. God will always be faithful to send you warnings about the plans of the enemy. He'll send you warnings. He'll send you dreams. He'll send you visions. 
He'll send you thoughts. Have you ever thought a thought that you know you didn't think? You have a thought and you say, that's not from me. That's from God. Unless it's negative, then it's from the enemy. But if it's from outside the bubble, God will send you a thought. And you say, why am I thinking that? Because God's trying to get you to think that. God will send you messengers. Hear me, this sermon today, I am not here to condemn you. I'm here to encourage you. And if you fall short in any area, today's the day we begin anew. But I believe that God sent me today. I'm no angel, but I am a messenger to speak to the fathers on who you're called to be and give you the warning about what the enemy is planning. You know, you might even say, you know, like, oh, this is all fear-mongering. To be honest, I think I'm understating the issues because I, I, I can't even get into all the technicalities. I think I'm understating it. But that means that you need to be paying very close attention to who you are, to who your children is, and to what specifically is coming against your children because it's going to be unique to you. Every attack isn't unique to you. And so God speaks to Joseph in the middle of the night, God will always be faithful to send you a warning. You need to be taking notes in this sermon. God will always, tell your wife at least, someone, take notes. God will always be faithful to send you a warning. It might even be the voice of your wife. And she'll say, <laughs> Nate, like that one. <laughs> it might be the voice of your wife. And she might say something that you can't even get. That's illogical, I don't get it. There's no, what's the evidence? Because men's brains are different than women's brains. What's the evidence for that? But what she's picking up something with her sensitive spirit that you might not be picking up. Trust the voice of warning from your wife in leaving your home. There's one clap from one woman, you get the blessing. The rest of you missed it, you get the blessing. There's <laughs> too much crowd work going on in this sermon. Now, 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 woman, don't abuse that, that voice of authority. Where you say, God is telling me something about the dishes, something about the trash needs to be taken. No, God will give you a voice. And, 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 and in all seriousness, God will let you see things. He'll let you hear things. Maybe something someone says to your child. Maybe a, a look or a touch something from a teacher or elder or someone else, and you see and say, hey, that's weird. If that's weird, it's your responsibility. Do not lapse into inaction. God will let you see things. God will let you hear things as a warning for you to be the protector, to rise up. What does Joseph have to do? He rises up. I pray that men in this nation begin to rise up. I pray they find their guts. I pray they find their boldness and their courage. I pray they are no longer afraid of being perceived as weird or being perceived as wrong, but that they begin to rise up and they, they let everyone else know it all runs through dad. We got to rise up. And we got to follow the voice of wisdom that God will give you. Listen, number one. Listen to the voice of God because he will begin to lead you on how to protect your home. Number two, take action and set boundaries. Take action. Take quick, complete, total, wild action if you have to and set boundaries. That very night, Joseph got up in the middle of the night. The Bible says he departed to Egypt as if that's not moving to another country. He left the country that night. 
He didn't know the other language. He didn't have a home. He didn't have stuff set up. He didn't have the currency of the other country, nothing. But he got up and he departed the country. Why? Because I will do anything to protect my child. I will set severe boundaries. And the Bible says even when he came back from Egypt, when, the, when Herod had died and, and the, um, the difficulty was, was over, the, uh, the uh, physical danger was over, the Bible says that Joseph returned, but he went to Nazareth instead of Bethlehem. Because Nazareth was out in the middle of nowhere and it's literally surrounded on all sides by mountains. He made his choices of how to live and where to live based on protecting his son. Take action and set boundaries. And maybe, maybe that's not your strong suit. Maybe you, you're, you have a difficulty with confrontation. Well, that's why God gave uh, me as your pastor. <laughs> but you know, fathers, you have to get comfortable with a little bit of good conflict. You have to get comfortable with saying what is true no matter what happens. You have to get comfortable with making uh, difficult decisions for your family because only you can do it. Think about it. Joseph gets up, moves to Egypt, moves to Nazareth in the middle of nowhere, and begins to set boundaries. If you don't know how to set boundaries, I'm going to give you three simple steps within these three larger points. Step one, how to set boundaries. You need to, hear me, fathers, withdraw from life-threatening situations. Now, you might say this is obvious, but you know, I've pastored long enough to tell you this is not obvious. You have to withdraw your family, your children, from any life-threatening situation, spiritual or physical. Spiritual or physical. Whatever that looks like, please hear me, if that's your living situation. You know, if you just live in a neighborhood you know you should not be living in, that is priority number one, to get your kids into a place where it's safe. If you've got a neighbor that is not safe, you need to make some decisions. And you say, what, I'm going to move? They move. Pray fast, and if they don't move, you move. I know this is getting extreme, but it's not ex as extreme as getting up in the middle of the night and moving to another country to protect your son. So until you hit that level, we're down here. <laughs> you have to be careful about the relationships, you know, that you're in, you know, um, you know, especially if you have a child and you're not married and you're dating, you have to be very, very, very careful with who you're letting into that house. And that goes same for women to men. Very careful. You not only have to know them, you have to know God's opinion on them. Because life can change in an instant. And things can happen in 30 seconds that can't be undone. You know, you, your children can never choose their, their, their father. They can never choose their mother. But you can choose your spouse. And you need to choose very wisely. You need to choose very, very wisely because you're bringing them into the future of your children. Do not excuse. Please hear me because sometimes people say, well, it's my responsibility to help this person. And they're, they're, they're absolutely undone and I'm going to bring them into my home and I'm going to help them. Can I tell you, your first responsibility is to your children, to your children, not your cousin. And I say this because many times a life-threatening situation happens within family. They might be your brother, they might be your uncle, they might be your cousin, but you need to be very wary, wary and very bold, okay? This will, save, this will save a lot of pain because you have just a little bit of wisdom. A little bit of wisdom will save a lot of pain. Too many children, they're left unprotected when parents turn a blind eye to dangerous circumstances. And I, I'm including devices. 
I would put devices in life-threatening situations. Your kids could get so addicted at a young age that they have no chance, even by the time they're teenagers. Please hear me. You need to know what's on their phone. And God, if they're a child, they should not have a phone, you know? And what if they're going to call me? Like, tell them, my name is Dad. Call it, you know? <laughs> 90s style. Dad. You have to be careful what content is on that phone, what apps are on that phone. You need to have all the passwords. You need to know what they're doing. You say, I'm not going to spy on your, my children. Why not? <laughs> what? You're perfectly fine with the government spying on you. How many times do you get ads for something you were just talking to your friend about? And we're like, oh, they got me again. <laughs> At least you love your children. <laughs> watch what they're watching. Watch what they're into. Watch who they're talking to. Watch what they're viewing. But be very, very careful. Please hear me. I know you would not allow some perv uh, stranger to come and take the guest bedroom next to your daughter in your house. Then don't let her have the iPad on her, on her side table with unrestricted access because it's, it is very dangerous and you need to be very wise. Are you with me? Take action, set boundaries. Step two in taking action, setting boundaries, is to choose your participation. You have the right and responsibility to engage with things that will bring life to your family and align with your beliefs. You can choose your participation in life. You have that right and you have that responsibility. Choose where your family participates. Please hear me, you've got a choice in the school that your kids go to. Hey, I can't, I live in Cranston and I, they, just, they just get on the bus. You have a choice as to where your kids go to school. There are multiple Christian schools, even in Rhode Island, you know, and the surrounding boroughs, which I'm very grateful for because we know down in Florida and Texas there's eight million Christian schools, but even in Rhode Island there's Christian schools. You have a choice. Now, you might say, well, I can't. It's too, uh, it's too expensive. Can I tell you, God has $4,000. All right. I could tell, I could tell, I could tell that I'm, I'm getting at you here. You don't know my situation. No, I do. I do. I'm telling you, you have a choice. You do not have to put your children in government institutions. They come out, you say, what the heck? They come out institutionalized. You can homeschool your kids. You say, I don't, want to turn, I don't want to homeschool my kids. They might turn out weird. Not weirder than they're going to turn out in the public school. I promise you. God will provide. He'll provide the finances. He'll provide the ability. Go ask some people. Go negotiate with the principal. Go talk to the grandparents. Go pool some money. Tell your crew. But I'm telling you, be extreme when it comes to how you raise your children. Be extreme. They're the only ones you got. They're the only ones you got. Amen? Amen. 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 Get a charter school. Do something. Find someone else that's homeschooling and say, will you take my animal? <laughs> what am I saying? I'm saying you have a choice in your participation. And I, don't, I want it to just be said here. I'm drawing the line here. I, I don't want to ever hear an excuse. It's always a choice. Whatever you choose, it is a choice. But you have a choice in your participation. Hey, you have a choice in what events you take place in. You have a choice. You have a choice. Family events. 
If you say, hey, that guy's there, they're not safe. They're not safe. I know they're not safe. And your mom might say, well, they're family. Yeah, well, they're unsafe. So I'm not coming to the barbecue. Now you might say, but Jordan, that would blow my family up. It's gonna blow up anyways. <laughs> Getting massive fights anyways. At least it's a fight worth having and it's not a fight over the salsa. You have a choice in what family events you go to. You have a choice in, in I even wanna say this, I even feel led, even in sleepovers. You don't have to let your kids sleep over and they say, mom, please, mom, everyone. I don't care. You know what happened at sleepovers. You came out all scarred from watching Saw. Mom and dad are like, how was it? Good. <laughs> you have a choice. You have a choice in what you participate in, in the community, in events, even in the school, even in the school. Your children, don't have to participate in something just because the school's trying to shove it down everybody's throats. You have a choice. You have a choice where you spend your money. Amen. I'm glad that you're here today. I love you. I love you. I'm glad that you're here. I know some of you invited dad and you said, dad, I promise you they'll have chicken wings at the church. We'll get out of there real quick. And then you showed up and I've got a Gatling gun. Bah, 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 bah. And you're like, this is not normally what happened. You have a choice where you spend your money. Fathers, mothers, you have a choice. Uh, your money is an expression of your values. Uh, where you shop, the entertainment, what you watch, where you go. It's essentially putting your amen on it. And I'm not saying you can boy boycott everyone and, you, and I'm not saying you have to, but I am saying you have a choice. You have a choice, and I, I, I hope that, that we can even, as much as possible, back each other when we're, when we're making uh, choices on who to hire and where to spend our money. I'm, I'm, I'm working on something. I'm, I'm, I'm working on something. I'm, so far, I'm calling it like the Awakening Economic Directory, where if you got a business or something, I'm going to try and put it on this thing so that we all can back each other. Amen? And I hope if you're a business owner, you do the very best work. You're people of high moral character. And when we come to you, we're not gonna ask for a discount because you prayed at the altar for me on Sunday. I'll pay you top dollar, give me top work, and we will finance each other. This is what the Jewish community has been doing for 2,000 years. But we're with each other. We're with each other. Don't ever be ashamed about withholding your money. It's your money and no one deserves it. Don't ever be ashamed about using it specifically. Amen? Do not be afraid about being different. Because see, if you set boundaries, you're gonna be different. And I'm telling you, parents, don't be afraid about being different. Your children are always gonna be in the back seat saying, well, everyone else is. That, they're gonna say that no matter what. This is our response, me, me and Samantha, our response, whenever our, our kids say, everyone else is watching, everyone else is going, we say, well, we're not like everyone else. And they get it now. It's like the mantra of this house. You know, Judah will say, well, everyone else. And I'll say, are you ready, Judah? Are you ready? We're not like everyone else. Come on, say it with your chest. We're not like everyone else. <laughs> I'm trying to get this kid to not be afraid to be different because he's going to need it. Amen? I want it to get into their mindset, into their psyche, that it's okay 
for you to be a leader. The step three in, in taking action, setting boundaries, is, is simply to seek godly counsel. You don't have to do it on your own. First John 4 talks about testing the spirits, making sure you're in a place of discernment, you know, that you understand, okay, what are we watching? Where are we going? Who are we with? Seek godly counsel, parents, fathers. This is why remnant is so important, not just because you'll learn at remnant, but you'll be able to talk to other men at remnant. You need someone that's a couple steps ahead of you. And, and you need someone whose marriage you want to, to emulate. Of course, nobody's perfect, but you're saying, you know what, if my marriage could sort of look like that, that would be good. You need to find some people that you want your family to sort of look like. My family could look like that. If my son could look like that, can I, can I propose to you that you find those people, seek them out, and ask them to go to lunch with you? And you pay for lunch. No halfsies. And while you're there, say, how did you do it? You've been married for 15 years. How did you do it? You've been married 25 years. How did you do it? You've been married 40 years. Your, your, your children, are, they, they're teenagers, but they still love God. They're grown, they're grown men, but they love God. How did you do it? What's essential? Begin to seek godly counsel. Begin to seek it out. Don't just try and figure it out. Seek it out. Invite seasoned Christians into your conversations. Hear me, because if you get experienced counsel, your kids... <laughs> don't have to be an experiment, <laughs> right? You don't have to experiment on your kids. Well, let's see if this works. You can go to some parents and say, hey, what worked? What worked in the areas of discipline? What worked in the areas of their mind? What worked in the areas of transition in their lives? And when you get that, it will help you build godly boundaries. Are you with me, church? Are you with me? You got one more in you? I know this is a lot of content. Ironically, I cut this down a lot. But I want to give you one more, one more overall point on how to be a godly protector. The first was to listen to the voice of God. The second was to take action, set boundaries. But the third is that you invest. And you invest your very best into your children. You invest your best. Look at what it says in the Bible about Jesus. It says, then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. And Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and men. It didn't happen without obedience to his parents and investment from his parents. Fathers, give your best to your children, not the rest. Not the rest, not the leftovers, not the I'm too tired, not the I worked all day, not the you don't know what I got on my plate, not the I'm frustrated, Give them your very best, the best of your time, the best of your energy, the best of your effort, the best of your mind, because they will be the most important investment you ever make, by far. I don't care what real estate deals you make, what clients you land, they will be the most important investment you ever make. I don't care what your 401k is or what your portfolios are, they will be the most important investment you ever make. And please hear me, you will have to you will have to sacrifice greatly to invest in their lives. In other words, they're not like a penny stock where you can throw 10 bucks on it and hope it's good. They're not like a cryptocurrency that you put in 50 bucks and you hope you get rich. No, your kids are gonna take consistent, sacrificial investment. The parenting portfolio, that will be the only portfolio in your life that matters at the end. It doesn't matter how much wealth you have, that's true wealth. So invest your best, invest your best. They're worth your 
investment. You know, like I think about, you know, how much men work, and they should, working on the business and working on their, you know, what interests them and how much money you'll even spend if you're into bow hunting, what you'll spend on bows or how much money you'll put into, you know, things that you love and everything. And, and that's all fine. But make sure the top item of your list is that you are investing into your children. Invest into their spirit, invest into their mind, and invest into their memories. Invest into their spirit because it's eternal. Invest into their mind because it's essential. And invest into their memories because it's foundational. Your identity, most of your identity is, is set upon your memories. Be intentional in those areas of your children's life. I don't want to lose you right now. I don't want to lose you. Are you with me? Because I think that, that this is very practical. Make sure your children have Bibles. Get them every comic book Bible you can find. Get them easy to read Bible. Get them storybooks about, about you know, biblical characters. Invest as much as you can into cheesy Christian content. Get it in front of them, get them in them. Uh, please hear me, how much will they know about Spider-Man? Thank you, Lord. Like a dove. He says, this is my son. Do you know what that confetti is? That is Awakening Conference 2012. Right? And it's because we got high-powered confetti machines that they didn't blow out. They blew straight up. And you know what I like about that? Pastor let us destroy this building. You know? Do you know how much money I lost my first few Awakening Conference? I didn't make the budget back. Pastor invested. He invested into the youth of this house. I'm standing here because a dad invested. A father said, let's give our very best to our young people. Invest in their spirit. Invest in their mind. Amen? Invest in their memories. Amen? Thanks for listening to the Awakening Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. If you want to learn more about our church, visit us online at awakening.global. We'll see you soon.